Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What, just the crunch? Yeah. Trying to take my teeth out, they're about three days old. Sounds like the dog eating his food. Hola. Bonjour. Ni hao. Nin hoi. Guten tag. Whatever you say, my name is James Phelps. And I'm Oliver Phelps, and welcome to Normal Not Normal. Uh, the podcast from James and myself. Hope you guys are doing really, really well today. Yes, and as you know, in this series, we're talking to some of our favourite people to find out what normal means. And really, does normal even exist? Does it even exist? I think we're all starting to come to our own conclusions on this. But anyway, today's guest is Nadia Hussein, who won the Great British Bake Off. She did. Now, Nadia has probably gone on to be the most successful fresh new baker in the UK easily in the last 10 years. A very, very easygoing person and very, very excited to speak to her. I've been listening to her audiobook. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's a bit sticky because I've been eating a few cookies. Uh, in preparation for this, I have been baking as well. From Nadia's recipes. From Nadia's recipes, yeah. But like we say, it's very, very uh, good to speak to. We've heard a couple of uh, interviews with other people before. So we're trying to, I think we'll, we'll be speaking about things which hopefully haven't been spoken about before. And as normal, we will um, hopefully try and get as much time with her as possible. Exactly. So the Great British Bake Off is the most popular baking show contest uh, on British TV. It's actually gone really, really popular international as well. So Nadia won the series in 2015 and well, pretty much overnight she was catapulted to fame. And since then, in between now and then, uh, she's been awarded the decorative title of the British Empire. So the MBE, which means member of the British Empire. She actually did a really cool thing as well. She actually made the Queen, so Queen Elizabeth II, her 90th birthday cake, um, as well as, in all that time, managed to still keep up being a fantastic mother, raising three children, and changing the lives of many, many others by speaking out about her anxiety and mental health issues. And she did a really great documentary with the BBC about coming to terms with it, coming, dealing with it, and, re- and then helping write books for children to understand what anxiety is, and if they're going through something like that they can relate to it and hopefully address it a bit earlier in their life so very very inspiring person as well so i'm very really looking forward to speaking to her i'm really interested to see what her position is if she's going to be the i'd like to say the straw that will break the camel's back on your argument about pineapple on a pizza the thing is food can be the thing is food can be made whatever you want it to be if you enjoy it let it be 
That's my argument. If it makes you happy, hang on, then hang try on, it. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Going by your argument right now, mm. I remember last year there was this American lady who was making tea in a microwave, like an absolute no, but that's different. Idiot. That's just someone's sock. Idiot. That can't even taste nice. I'm just saying, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But you're saying, but that's her way of doing it, and that made her happy. So by your instructions, I oh, know she's okay to do it, even though she just completely bastardized the whole culture. Probably, but let me just show you something. So. I really enjoy uh, iced buns, right? Yes, love an iced bun. I also like hot cross buns, especially around Easter time. But in general, I could have a toasted hot cross bun. Yep, yep. Which is where the cross comes from on a hot, on a hot cross bun, you know? It is. So yep. Nadia flips things around, tries different things with different uh, recipes. So she actually made this, which I made. They're my hot cross buns, but they're strawberry filled with jam inside nice which is unreal so yeah nice. that was how long, how long did they take probably a day i reckon because you have to prove that's something i had to learn i had to learn to prove bread prove bread yeah it takes a long time especially if it, you're doing something like baguettes as well you need to do it a lot longer so it'll actually hold yeah the it took i think it was about four hours in total of proving I've been doing some baking as well. Nadia's obviously done a lot and she did some amazing ginger and almond snaps. So I've got these. I made them out of little hearts. So mm, poor broken heart. Anyway. So on that, everybody, raise your cookies, raise your whatever that is. Ginger and almond snap. And please welcome Nadia Hussein. Hi, Nadia. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. It's, oh gosh, yeah, I'm good. I think I always ask myself, like, it's really weird because whenever anyone asks me that, I feel like I should say I'm not okay, but I am. I'm actually, yeah. I think <laughs> I'm all right. I think I'm okay. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, very good. Um, So before you did the Great British Bake Off, what did a normal regular day look like to you? So before I did Bake Off, I was a stay-at-home mum. And at the time, I was actually just finishing off studying. So I had, I didn't go to university as a teenager. So that's when I decided that I wanted a third child and a degree. And so a lot of, yeah, I know. Right. So like I was revising, I, I remember revising, uh, she was um, overdue by a couple of days. And I remember just like on lots of painkillers, but revising for my exam that was due 10 days after she was born. I hadn't really thought about all of that. And I was like, I can do it. I can do it. And so by this point I had three kids under the age of four. So I was very busy and not sleeping that much. And so when I was, when I should have been sleeping, I was studying. So it was a lot of kind of wake up, sort the kids out, nursery, back home. Um, and I'd spend like two days a week shopping for my elderly neighbors. So often that would be kind of making sure that they've got their shopping in and then um, back home with the kids, cooking, cleaning, just like very domestic stuff. Um, which I have to say at the time I really enjoyed because it felt like my job at the time. It was like, that was my job was to be the best house. Like, I'm one of those people, if I'm going to do the laundry, it's going to be the best laundry you've ever seen in your whole life. Like it's going to be the best. So I kind of, that was my job. And so I, it was very much kind of home with the kids, cooking, cleaning, making sure they were sorted. Um, and, and my elderly neighbors, I spent a lot of time kind of in my gaps, um, having tea with them. So one smoked quite a lot, she did. And I was like, I, I, I'd have to like really like derobe after being at her house. The smell. Yes, yeah. so she was like. <laughs> Fabrice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, do you want, I'm like, I don't smoke. And she was like, go on, have one. I'm like, I'm peer pressure, come on. I like 30 something. I was like, I don't smoke, I don't need yeah. to smoke. Not in, if I haven't done it my whole life, I don't need to do it now. And then it was very much come home, 
sort the kids out, get them to bed and then study. So really busy, actually, when I think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And have you, has, that, has, that, has that always been like in your, your makeup, as it were, like to busy yourself? Like, as you say, like having been expecting your third child and doing the degree, I couldn't think of anything more time consuming and also two polar opposites of like where your brain needs to be at. Is that just something what you've always been into doing that type of thing? Yeah, I think I've... I think I, I say that I'm quite productive. I think I, I like being busy. I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not the kind of person, you won't find me sat watching something. Even when I'm watching telly, really the truth is I, I've got stuff happening in the back where I've got lists and what am I doing next? My husband just says it's, like, he says you have to stop, like you will burn out because I just, I naturally want to constantly be doing something all the time. And and when I look back now to when I was studying and I and I had my kids, and they were really young. I don't know how I did it, but I kind of, we, isn't that normal though, no. to look back in time and think, how did I manage that? Like, I kind of look at my life mm-hmm. now and it's actually really no different, but I'm much better at telling myself to stop now, I think. Like I, when, sure. when my body says it wants to sleep, it's like just drop, everything can wait, it can wait. So you know, I've dropped my st- standards a little bit, I've got to say. <laughs> Only a little bit. Just a bit. But um, I really enjoyed uh, your book, Finding My Own Voice. Um, especially, I actually cheated a little bit. I had you reading the audio one while I, I did quite a few bike rides um, over lockdown just gone. And so I had one earphone in listening to that and it really did pass the miles very easily. And it really made me laugh, especially the bit when you're describing about how people today don't know anything about pay-as-you-go. You've only got 75p to text someone pay to make sure that, that means a lot. Right? That, that, that really did. Yeah. I was like, my God, I haven't thought about that in so long. Is that? And then I started thinking, is that why so many people now when they send a WhatsApp, they send loads of different messages just to get over the fact that you, don't need to, <laughs> that you don't need to get everything in 140 characters or something Maybe. like that. Like my kids, my, my boys have read the book and they don't understand yeah. it. They don't get what I mean. They don't get it at all. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It wasn't <laughs> your time. There will come a day when your kids will laugh at how, how um, techno, what a technophobe you are. You know, like they will, they laugh at, your kids yeah, will yeah. laugh at you just like you're laughing at me and they don't get it. And actually, you know what? I quite like that they don't get it. They don't need to get everything. No, exactly. But what I was surprised by though is that you didn't grow up baking. Yeah, I genuinely, so I watched Delia growing up, like, especially during Christmas time and she'd, like, and, and I'd look at her and this is, a, I'm a daughter of an immigrant, you know, we were a working class family. And so like, w- when I used to watch Delia, there was something quite um, out of this world like, I, I think I look at it now and I think maybe it was aspirational, but the truth is I think it was just a bit out of, it was out of this world kind of abnormal for me. I look back now, now that I make cookery shows, I can see, I now can see how it all happened because I know how it happens, but like she's there in her beautiful kitchen with like, you know, ovens in the wall. Like, I didn't even know what that was. Like who has an oven in the wall? Um, and then, you know, a beautiful garden, like really, really beautifully manicured garden. And there's Delia and she's, it all looked like something out of this world. For me. Like, it was out of this world, like for someone like me. And we had an oven at home and I didn't know it was the same thing that Delia had. Just mine wasn't in the wall. It was a freestanding with a grill on top, if you remember those, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. like, that's just, I didn't, re- I didn't put two and two together and realize that they actually do the same thing because our oven wasn't actually functioning. So our oven, we, my mom never used her oven. She always had 
all her frying pans. Like we, I'm, I, you know, we're Asian, so we do a lot of frying, a lot of deep frying. And she had one specific full of her oil for her samosas and she would fry all her samosas in there. And she'd have all the other pans kind of stacked up in there, greasy, just in there. And I just thought it was a cupboard. I didn't know that you could switch it on. Like, you know, that knob that said <laughs> oven, like it had never been turned. So it was, stu it was stuck with grease. So there was like, you couldn't move it. So I didn't know that it was an actual oven. And it was only when I went to school and Mrs. Marshall, my home ec teacher at the time, she was like, and everything for us was stovetop. So chopping onions, all of that, it was all very much on top of the stove cooking. Um, and it wasn't, nothing was ever mixed in a bowl that I remember as a kid. And um, she was there, she was butter, sugar, eggs and flour. And, and she turns on what I call the cupboard. And I thought she'd lost it. I was like, she's mad, she's lost it. Like, what is she doing? And there it was. Like, I remember nearly losing my eyebrows that day because I was so close. And she like turns it on. I was like, that's hot. I said, Mrs. Marshall, that's hot. Why is that hot? And she said, that's the oven. And so she puts this <laughs> batter into a tin, into the oven. And, and I remember just kind of standing there like this thinking, what is she doing? It's a, it was my very first experience of those sounds, of those smells, of that, ex, like I'd never experienced that in my life. And what was, and that is something for lots of children growing up in this country, that's very much their normal, you know, watching granny, watching yeah. granny bake, mm. watching mum bake and being in the kitchen. For me, that was never my normal. I saw her cook, but never bake. And so out comes this cake and I'll never ever forget the magic, you know, of that moment of, realizing that she just did what Delia did, but just not with an oven in the wall. Um, and yep. you know what I did? I yeah. went home and I, I, I went really angry. I was really annoyed with my mom. I was like, did you know that that was an oven the whole time? And, she, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People make cake in there, but we don't make cake. And I was like, so you knew this whole time that we could make cake in there. She's like, yeah, yeah, I knew. And I was like, and you didn't tell me? And she was like, no, because we don't bake cake. And I was like, said who we don't bake cake. So there I was, like 13-year-old, very angry me, taking everything out. Most 13-year-olds are angry about other things. I was angry about this oven, whacked everything out. And I was like, I'm turning this thing on. I was getting matches. The matches were out. The matches were out. And I was like, I'm trying to turn, couldn't turn it on because it never worked. So that for me was like a massive realization. Um, and that was really when my curiosity about baking started was when I was like, oh, so this is something nobody does so maybe i could do it so that's kind of where i became mm. curious about baking yeah yeah and has that, has that always been in your in your thing like if someone says you don't do this there's always something implanted in you going well why not and i should do that i can do that so with with, with the baking thing it was i can do that yeah i think i think i've naturally been very i'm naturally a curious person and i think i'm i'm one of those people who like to learn all the time like i've, I've just tried to i've just started knitting badly can i say like um, I may get it right, but at the moment there's nothing wearable. It's just practicing. Um, but I think I'm naturally, I like learning, but I'm also naturally very curious. And that doesn't necessarily work growing up in the community that I did with the kind of values that we were raised with. Being curious doesn't work with that because you're quite often told that this is your normal. This is what you do. This is what women do. This is your role. You get kind of told that this is your place and one of the things that i laugh about in my book um I, which was like i can laugh about it now because i've kind of taken a hold of the situation is being called begum which is my which is the name which is my second name but it it means wife so essentially as a woman 
I my ultimate role was to be somebody's wife. And I remember at 17 or 18 asking the question, like, what does that mean? And mom's like, oh, wife, because like that's what we're all like, that's what women are, they're wives. I'm like, well, I was a wife at two days old, five days, five, <laughs> yeah. really? So that was something that was, a, that was a bugbear for me as a bone of, it was a definitely contentious kind of um, issue for me growing up. But I think you kind of, we were raised with this kind of normal. And then for me, that normal never worked for me because I, I was one of the, I was the kid that questioned everything. I was, I was always really curious. And I think when, I was told when mom was like, oh, well, we don't bake. I was like, said who? Like, who said we don't bake? Uh, um, and, and I never really started. I tried very hard to unstick that knob and try and get that gas hob, that oven working. I never could. And it was only really, I really, I was allowed to express that curiosity in baking through um, being in the kitchen at school. And it was not really until, it wasn't until I got married and had my own kitchen, I realized like I had my own oven. Like mum couldn't shout at me about using the eggs or or taking too much flour or, you know, and 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 that was I think that's when I could really feed my curiosity was when I was able to be in my own space, I suppose. Um and I suppose that's why, because growing up, like I wasn't allowed to go to university. I got in, but I wasn't allowed to go because like I was the first girl, um, or first girl, first person in our family to make it out of college and get into university. And so for my parents, I mean, like I look back now and as an 18 year old, I, I, you know, as, as an 18 year old, I, I couldn't, I was so angry with my mom for not letting me go. But also like now in hindsight, as a 35 year old, I see as a immigrant, why that was a scary prospect for her. Cause I may as well have been going to space for her. I could have been, you know, blasted. Yeah. I could, I may as well have been blasted into space because that's how alien going to university was for them. So I understand now as a 35 year old, that I'm going to struggle with the decisions my kids make because my normal isn't necessary. My normal now is not going to be my kids' normal. So, like that's no, so you no, know. I think I, there are going to be things I'm going to look at. My kids are going to say, "Can we do this?" I'm going to say, "Yes," but no. And I'm not. You're like yeah, there is going to be. A- <laughs> don't tell yeah, me about like, it. Please just do it. Just don't tell me about it. Um, but yeah. So you know, for me, I think my curiosity is what led me to where I am today. Yeah, yeah. So let's go. I mean, so in the in the book, like you're talking about, um, you talk about when you entered a writing competition. So you've obviously been very creative in that, in all in all aspects, really. Um, but also like how the previous winner of the competition got to go to Buckingham Palace. Yeah. And the following year, you won it, but the invite to go to the palace wasn't there. But then obviously, fast forward a couple of years later, and you're there. You're getting there. You know, becoming an MBE um, from the Queen's 90th birthday list, and also baking the queen's 90th birthday cake could you even imagine anything like that ever happening at that time it's really weird because as a seven-year-old when that boy won the competition i didn't realize what it like i didn't even know that there was a royal family at that age i didn't know that there was a queen oh okay so when when they said she gets to meet the queen that's when i was like oh there's a queen and i remember then looking for a book about the queen and trying to find out who this queen was and I was like oh that's gonna be cool right to meet the queen because to me the queens were only in fairy tales they weren't real life and and I remember kind of yeah. putting two and two together I remember reading about the queen um in the days where you could go to a library and get a book and you couldn't just tap on the uh, you couldn't just tap it and, and find the information um so you're making us feel very old here I know I, 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 I don't I don't feel youthful myself I promise you things creak now like I was like oh that was my knee um but yeah I I would I kind of remember thinking I never really knew what the royal family was and when he got to meet the queen I thought that's got to be a big deal right if you get to actually meet a queen I remember wanting to 
meet the queen never really and i don't remember i got a pack of pencils i got a pack of pencils and the disappointment you could not hide the disappointment on my face i remember taking the pack of pencils after winning the competition and looking in the envelope to see where the invite to see the queen was and, and it wasn't there so um yeah i suppose for me if i look back then and i look now like growing up in the house that i did my parents were not royalists you know they didn't like they they were not a, they didn't talk about the queen they didn't talk about the royal family none of that mattered because for them it was it was always survival like i always grew up around survival mm. about it wasn't about bettering yourself it was about just being able to pay the bills just getting by and so i suppose i never knew any different it was just about always getting by so i i suppose in some ways i never dared to dream that big or that far um it was always just about as long as i'm getting by that's okay and only recently and i i think for myself, it's taken me a long time to step back and say, you know, you are allowed to dream, you are allowed to want, you don't have to always just get by. And that's a massive mindset for me to like, there's a big switch to be able to do that. Mm. Because, you know, I want my kids to have that kind of balance where they have to understand the balance between like achieving, but also dreaming at the same time. And there's got to be a bit of that balance. Whereas like for me, I grew up just kind of like, get by, get by, get by, pay bills, get on, but just don't, don't dream so big that it hurts when you can't do it. So, um, yeah. I, now like it's taken me a while. And I think maybe mostly during this year, it's been one of those things that I've kind of allowed myself to do. So I remember that moment when I opened it and found the pencils, I didn't, you know, get that invitation to meet the queen. I kind of, it's not, I mean, it's not bad going, is it? Like I baked a cake, no. MV. I was like, okay, so that's not bad. But the, the reason why I kind of like, it's one of those things that I can celebrate, but equally it's quite humbling to grow up in a family where the royals mean nothing to them. Because I remember ringing my mom and saying, I got an MBE. She said, yeah, okay, uh, what have you cooked? And so like, <laughs> gone, 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 gone. Like didn't mean a thing to her. And then I rang my dad and I said, dad, so I got an MBE. And he goes, oh, are there better letters than the MBE? And I was like, dad, like what's wrong with you? And I was like, do you even know what an MBE is? He goes, I do, but I do know that there, he goes, I don't really know what an MBE is, but he goes, but I think there are better letters than, than the MBE. And I was like, dad, that's not fair. <laughs> like let me just have this one moment and then like, that, I think that's humbling like I get to celebrate but equally it's quite nice that my parents don't let my feet come off the ground it's like no 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 yeah firmly yeah. keeps you grounded yeah 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 for sure <laughs> amazing so I've got to ask is it right that your husband signed you up for the Great British Bake Off yes. yeah. obviously because he tasted your amazing cooking and baking a lot anyway so thank you very much <laughs> to your husband for that. What was it like going through the, was there an audition process or was it like, did you have to send in a sample of what you can bake? Yeah, so I didn't want to do Bake Off. Like it wasn't, I'd watch it every year and he's good like that. He'll watch it with me. And he didn't like, he doesn't particularly enjoy watching baking shows, but he's kind of forced to watch it with me. So he'd watch it with me. And he's the one who'd shout at the telly and say, um, oh, you can do that. Oh, you've done that. Oh, it, yours is better. Or you've, you know, there's things that would come up all the time. He's like, oh, you've done that. Or you've done it better. Or I've tasted that before. And and there was a year when he just said, oh, so, and I was particularly suffering that year quite badly with my anxiety. So I was spending a lot more time in bed, really struggling to kind of be motivated. And just, I just, I was just very much, uh, I was at my lowest, I think, point then. And, and he just said, look, I've, uh, you can shout at me if you like, but I've applied for 
the bake off. He goes, but I can't send it off because there's some technical bits I don't really know how to answer. So I've attached all the photos, everything that they need, I've done. If you could just do this bit. And I said, absolutely, no way. No, not happening. <laughs> like it was 20 minutes before the deadline. And I said, fine, I'll do it. But I'm literally doing it to humor you. That's it. If I don't get in and I get disappointed, then that, that's on you. And he's like, yep, yep, fine, 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 do it. So did it, got a call back the next day. And then it's quite a long process. It was a two hour interview. So we did a phone call interview and then they ask you lots of things on the spot. Like how do you make an Italian meringue? And, and it took me through a rough puff pastry. So, so stuff like that, like, like on the, I'm like, oh, and I was on the school run and I was picking the kids up. And then I, I kind of had some sweets in my pocket and that kept him quiet for about half an hour. Um, and then, so there was that. And then after that, they ask you to drive down with your bakes so I went up to Manchester and then you take some of your signature bakes in. And then after you get through that process, then they ask you to come down to London and do a Paul Hollywood recipe and a Mary Berry recipe. And then you take that down. And then if you get through to that stage, you get to the stage where you get to bake in a kitchen, do a technical challenge with cameras on you. So you get to do all of that. It's really weird when I think back, because that was quite a scary experience for somebody who suffers with anxiety. I don't really know how I did it. And then I made it, then I got the call and they said, you made it into the final 12. And I was like, oh yeah, great. No, con you know, no shouting or whooping on the phone, nothing. I was like, mm -hmm, mm. yeah, great. Okay, I put the phone down and I just, I called my husband and I said, guess what? And he's like, what? I made it to the final 12. What am I supposed to do now? And he was like, <laughs> 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 and he said, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. He said, um, and, and, and then I rang the producer three times and hung up on her three times. And I said to him, I can't do it. Can you please tell them that I died? Um, and, and he said, no, but like, you know, you, 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 I can't do that. You're going to, if you want to tell him you died, you're going to have to do that yourself. I was like, yeah, but I can't call. <laughs> it doesn't really yeah. work. It doesn't work. I can't call them from the dead. Can you please tell them? And he said, nope, you've, you're in now. So you're going to have to do it. But like, firstly, who does that? Like who puts your very anxious wife on the biggest baking show in the country. And then, and then, you know what he said? He said that if you get on, just whatever you do, don't get kicked out week one, cause that'd be really embarrassing. I was like, oh, what's no. wrong with you? I was like, there's something really wrong with you. You can't do this to me. And it's just like, it was a weird thing week on week. I just, my confidence just grew like little by little. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that I hadn't experienced in a really long time, I suppose, because since the point between becoming a mother and doing Bake Off, I stopped challenging myself. And that's what I think that's, that was a massive realization for me because the kind of rigidity of my routine became my normal and I was not willing to break out of that. And I think that's the point where I allowed myself to break away from that normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I suppose as well, when you are filming, you get used to the, the lights, the, the, pro the process of how they, how they go about doing things. And I suppose in one way, did it make it easier that you weren't aware on the actual viewership of how many people actually watch Bake Off when you're in the, in the in the kitchen itself baking yourself, you've only got like the crew around you. So does that almost make it a bit easier in one way as well? There is a naivety to doing a show like that. There really is because you do, mm. and and like it, there is because once you're in that moment, and you, the, you guys definitely will know what that feels like. You know when it becomes your world, when it just becomes your normal and becomes your world, you almost forget that there's going to be a process where things are edited and put together. And there you are, there's your face, there it is, all yeah. a part of this story, all a part of this show. And it's like, that, 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 that I, I, as somebody who'd never done that before, like I was really naive to the fact that I was doing the biggest baking show in England. And 
I'd, I'd completely forgotten. And, and I remember um, once we'd filmed the final and I never intended to go all the way. Like I didn't think that I, I was like, no, week one, two at most. Like even that was me like pushing myself. I was like, mm. and, and, and even then, like I remember getting to week 10 and I call it week 10. And my husband, even to this day, I say week 10. And he said, you know, that's the final. I'm like, stop saying final and he goes <laughs> yeah but there is no week 11 so you know what that means and i was like stop saying it so there is a naivety to doing something like that because you do you do kind of almost forget but i suppose when you kind of when you allow yourself to forget that millions of people are going to watch it you actually enjoy it more and i think that's why yeah. by forgetting that millions of people are going to watch it i allowed myself to just enjoy the experience um as hard as it was and and then the kind of cameras in your face asking you questions at crucial moments when things should be coming mm. out of the oven becomes normal. <laughs> you like throwing elbows to get them out of the way. Yeah, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how you keep your cool in that situation when you kind of like. <laughs> I, I think I got good. I think I got practice in that. I, I was used to having three kids around all the time. True, so, true. You know, yeah. when you when you yeah, when you true. have three kids, you kind of get used to stopping and having to ask ask questions answer questions or stopping to get one of them a glass of water and it just felt I kind of said oh, every time I was like when they were around I was like they're just my children they're just my children they're just that's what I did I used to say to myself just my kids just my kids they're just asking me questions it's fine and that got me through it weirdly because it felt a little bit away it felt like being at home but not at home because they just interrupted me in the crucial moments just like my kids interrupted me at crucial moments and that's like I just it just felt easy i suppose yeah and then in terms of like when you finished obviously you finished filming and there's there is a long break in between finished filming to when it's actually aired first of all how did you manage to keep it a secret from everybody <laughs> as to that you'd actually won it? and also stop all your family yeah. telling everybody as well um apart from your mum and dad i kind of get the impression they'd be like yeah you know they got that. Yeah. um and then was it <laughs> and then was it a case of like when that did happen obviously everything in your life in terms of rec being recognized on the street, everything else kind of just in a whirlwind changes. It was really weird because I also had the trophy to then hide. Mm, uh, we yeah. happened to be in the process <laughs> of selling our house as well. So I was like, ah, so where do I hide this thing? So I did this Russian roulette, a Russian doll thing where I hid the, I wrapped it up and hid it in a suitcase, in a suitcase, in a suitcase, and just I like, didn't even think about <laughs> it. Um, and I didn't actually tell my parents till uh, week nine. Um, and they don't watch Bake Off. So I just said, so there's this baking show and I kind of made it to week nine. And they're like, okay. I said, would you like to come? They're like, yeah, 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 we'll come. And so they didn't really know, like they'd watched it in bits, but they didn't yeah. really know where they were going or what it was about. Um, and and like, I mean, you've probably got a measure of what my mom's like um, and, I, and my dad. And I remember walking out on the final day and with my cake and my mom looked over at mine and then she said, looked over at Tamal's and she said, yes, yours looks very pretty, but his looks so much better. I think he's going to win. I was like, thanks, mum. <laughs> Thank you, mother. I mean, there's feet on the ground and there's like crushing your soul. Um, and my, yeah, 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 she's good at that. Um, but yeah, there's that moment where you have to keep really quiet. And I have to say, my dad was really good at keeping quiet, which is hard for him because he, like the moment I'd won, he would walk around and say, have you watched Bake Off? You, did you watch Bake Off this year? So he was like announcing it to anyone who hadn't ever watched Bake Off. But it was, I thought it would be really difficult. But weirdly, like my boys who were seven and six at the time were, um, they were really good. They just kept really quiet, didn't say anything. But they make them sign little agreements like NDAs and like it's really 
cute but weird wow. at the same time but all of them sign these well, everybody yeah. has there's like 200 people at this garden party how they keep them like yeah, i'm sure yeah. there's bake-off mafia you know like that keep everyone quiet like how <laughs> yeah knocking on the yeah, door yeah. how do they keep 200 people quiet um and i remember um my little girl was there who just turned four and, and she was there. And I remember when we were watching Bake Off, like week two, she was getting really into it. And she was like, oh, mom, who do you think is going to go now? And like, I, I get that she didn't know who was going to go out week on week because I'd never spoken to her. But when we got to the end, it dawned on me, week 10, the final, she said to me, mom, who do you think is going to win? Do you think Tamal's going to win? I was like, hold on, she was there. How has she forgotten? <laughs> and I, I, was, I, was a li- I was a little bit annoyed. I was like, Excuse me, young lady, you saw me win. How have you forgotten that? And then she, I remember her holding onto my leg saying, oh gosh, mom, I think Tamal's going to win. Yep, Tamal's going to win. Yep, Tamal's going to win. And she genuinely thought Tamal was going to win. And then she said, oh, you won. And then she was, and then there's that moment where she goes, you won. And she goes, oh, I was there. And so it's so <laughs> cute. So luckily she was like, she was definitely the weakest link. So she was the only one that was ever going to tell and she never did because she forgot. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, normal, not normal listeners. I just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Yamaha, for sending me these headphones. Clearly, they saw the show and have noticed how annoying Oliver's drum is. I, I don't know what they're talking about. So these are Yamaha E700A headphones, and they're headphones that adapt to you and your environment. They look cool. They're designed to produce sound that optimizes and tune to whoever puts the headphones on. They also create a sound that is truer, not louder. So the sound is balanced even at low volumes. And the E700As are aware of competing external noises, so you don't need to crank the volume up when your environment changes. Like when Oliver bangs his drum, for example. Like this, like this. No. See, I can't hear you. Because finally, it creates a sound that cuts noise, not music. So it has active noise cancelling technology, which carefully removes only background noise without processing any of the music signal. So the music is left pure. I've been listening to a lot of heavy metal recently and you can hear every musical instrument and riff going. It is fantastic. And I can bang my drum as much as I like. Yes, you can. Thank you, Yamaha. Guys, if you want to find out more, head to yamahamusiclondon.com forward slash E700A. Yes, that's yamahamusiclondon.com slash E700A. Now, back to the show. Bang that drum! Bang that drum! Hello, it's that time again. <laughs> Ta-da. Here are some of the questions and the did you knows that you guys have sent in to us this week. This is from Ellen, James. Hello, you have Ellen. to pick one place to sit or stand for the rest of your life. Where are you going to sit or stand? Uh, oh, this is a good one. So I would say I would want to sit on the seventh tee at Pebble Beach. Mm. One of the most amazing golf holes in the world. In fact, 
I've got a photo of it on my wall there. I always like golf course anyway, they're very relaxing, but this one is right on the ocean. So yeah, seventh hole at Pebble Beach. What about you? Mine would be, there's a part actually when you're coming down uh, uh, Ben Nevis, which is the highest peak in Great Britain. And there's a point when you're coming down that and it looks like you've got a, a lake in front of you, but it's actually more, I suppose it is a lake, but it's caused from more snow melt, isn't it, on the side? But beyond that, it just looks down to the whole valley below and you're looking out onto the far peaks of Scotland. That would be my place. I'd need a coat though, because it does get quite chilly. The next one is from Anna in Mexico. Take it away. Hi guys, my name's Anna from Mexico. So I recently got into David Bowie, he's an icon. And I was wondering, do you guys have any favorite songs of his? Um, and I wanted to thank you so much for doing this. I adore you guys. Keep doing it. Bye. That is a very good question. David Bowie, one of the best artists of all time. It's not even a debate, is it? Um, favorite song. Either We Could Be Heroes or Starman. Mine would be Life on Mars. Brilliant tune. Absolutely brilliant tune. Have you seen all the stuff that's been happening on Mars recently? I have been, yes. Very interesting how they came down. Nerd alert, nerd alert. Anyway, speaking of did you knows, they've been coming in thick and fast this week, so thank you so much for all of them. So the first one is from Lily Lion. Did you know that in the Disney movie The Lion King, the lion's roar, well, that's actually a tiger's roar or a man screaming into a bucket. A guy called Frank with a trash can, apparently. There you go. What a great did you know fact. That's nothing, actually. Did you know, this is my own add-on to this, Lily, did you know that in, especially in American videos, they will show the, the, Greek, the great bald eagle flying around. And you know it has that big, powerful... Arr! Well, that's not actually an eagle at all. They actually normally use a falcon. The eagle's squawk is actually a... There you go. We've got a second voice note and this is from Carla. Hi Normal Not Normal podcast. Uh, did you know that a year has 12 seconds? Like please tell me that you get it. <laughs> thank you so much. I love your podcast. Bye. Well Carla thank you for sending this in and I'm going to unfortunately have to say you're wrong. There's no need to say it in that angry tone. It's not an angry tone, I'm just fact-checking and I'm saying to Carla, lovely, thank you for so much for your support and getting in touch, but unfortunately your did you know, I'm going to say did you know Carla, you're incorrect, because there are more than 12 seconds in a year, there are actually 24 seconds in a year because you've got the second and then you've got the 22nd date of each month, times those two by two gives you 24. We'll say that you just for forgot to uh, times the two together. So we'll give you the benefit of the doubt in that one, Carla. But in fact, there are 24 seconds in a year. Very good. And our next voice, did you know fact, is from Asia in Italy. Did you know that Italy has a free vine fountain? Sounds like a dream, but it's a real thing in Caldario di Ortona. In this small town, there is this free vine fountain that flows 24 hours a day with locally grown red vine. That is a town I want to visit. Yes. If I was to be able to go to a town, because some place, you know, they say, well, we've got a nice spring. You know, you can bring your water bottle and fill it up, you know. But let's face it, here's some, you know, here's some 
Here's some wine. Help yourself. I tell you, I tell you where it doesn't have this. Where? The lovely town of Elmshorn, the most normal town. Most normal place on earth, isn't it? Yeah. It still blows my mind that anyone's one actually put that forward, and then someone else has said, "What a great idea that is! Let's put that as our slogan." So, yes. if you're wondering what we're talking about, please go back and listen to uh, a show from last week. Our next one is from Regina in Brazil. Take it away, Regina. Oi, that's high in Portuguese. Hello, guys. My name is Regina. I'm from Brazil, and I've got a did you know fact for you about sharks. So, did you know that Greenland sharks are the longest living vertebrates in the planet? They live up to 400 years. Just to compare, Brazil is only 520 years. Imagine that. Crazy, isn't it? Bye, guys. Love the podcast. That is an old shark. He is. He, he could be a bit grumpy, you would have thought. But at the same time, do you think when he goes around, he's like, you've got a better boat than your granddad did? Or something like that. Do you think he thinks of himself like that? He must have seen some things. This is more of a human fact, but this voice note came in from Grace. So take it away, Grace. Did you know everyone has a unique tongue print, just like they do fingerprints? Could you imagine if you get, you know, you've got to go in and, okay, we need to see your evidence. Okay, just just lick this bit of paper, please, and just stamp it down. Yeah. But did you know the tongue is the strongest muscle in the body? It is. And finally, the jingle this week really did blow us away it was so great for ryan from dublin to send it into us an amazing talent hope to hear more from you on the radio ryan because you really need to be heard by the world so ryan from dublin take it away normal not normal what even is normal like be an actor or a computer programmer Ryan, you've just, as James said, blown us away, mate. So hopefully someone is listening to this right now and says, that guy has got talent. Ryan, well done on all your hard work. We really, really appreciate it. And your lyrical genius as well is fantastic. Maybe maybe you could team up with the uh, with the guys at Elfsham and uh, come up with a new slogan for the most normal place on earth. Just an idea. Jazz it up a bit. Very good. But guys, thank you very much for sending those in. And please keep them coming because we love hearing them. We love reading them. And thank you so much for all the interaction. So to do that, open your emails and send it to normalnotnormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's normalnotnormalpodcast at gmail.com. Or tweet us using the hashtags normalnotnormal and hashtag didyouknow. And guys, please remember that if you are under 18 and sending us a voice note or jingle, please get permission from your parents or guardian first. Now, everybody, back to Nadia. Your acceptance speech, by the way, was something which I'm, I'm literally just watching Great British Bake Off. My wife's really into it. I'm like, this is interesting. And then all of a sudden I find myself like a, a wreck on the sofa. <laughs> just like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I think it could, it's very um, relatable how, and up, up to that extent, I don't think anyone, the, the wider public knew what you were going through during that whole process um, with your anxiety mm -hmm. and things like that. So, 
And it wasn't until later on you did that fantastic show on the BBC about about it as well. Can you talk about that that process as yeah, well? Yeah, I think uh, it was one of those moments when you. Well, it was when you when you're doing a show like that, like you have somebody who you get the same person interview you every time, you know, once you've done a bake, you come out the tent and you talk about the bake and how it went and all of that. You get like for me, I was really lucky because I had the same person the whole time. So we really got to know each other because off camera, on camera, we were chatting and um, the good old days when you could like hug and, 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 and have physical contact. It was lovely. So we would, we, we would sit and we'd chat about it on camera, off camera. So we kind of built a, a rapport, a relationship. And it was really lovely actually, because in that moment, all we did was when I won, all I did was cry and all she did was cry. So we just kind of stood in front of each other with this camera between us and just cried. And, and those words that came out, it, it, they were like 20 minutes later, they were still trying to get me to say something and I just wouldn't come out. And those were the words that that's what came out in that moment. And that was it. And and um, and I, I remember looking at her. Th- I can remember her television eyes thinking, "Wow, that's not going to need editing at all." I remember looking at her face, and she was like, "That's like that was so." So she, anyway, so we 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 did. I remember saying that, and um, it was one of those. I remember kind of like after Bake Off, when I met loads of people, and they just said, "You know, that those words really resonated with me," and I hadn't. I suppose for me, when I look back now, I really struggle to watch that back because I remember in that moment realizing that actually this was much more than baking for me and where my journey started and the reasons why I did it. It wasn't, I often get asked like, was there a plan? Did you have a career plan? Was there something that you dreamt of doing after Bake Off? I had no plan. Even to this day, I don't have a plan. I just, I am mostly winging it through life, but I quite like where winging it has taken me. and. You know, I didn't have a plan. There was no, I, there was no career in mind. There was no plan. There was no need to do this to kind of move somewhere in, you know, like m- move myself. You know, there's no plan five year, 10, there was no forecast. And so I know there's loads of people who watch that back and say that really resonated with me because it, it was, it was more, much more than baking. Anyone who suffers with anxiety or any mental health issues will know every step was difficult for me. And, and in that moment, it was much more, much, much more than cake. And of course, it's it allowed me to really then talk about my own kind of issues and my struggles with my mental health. Um, but yeah, it was much more than cake for me. And I, I, I kind of see that. I definitely, I, I felt that throughout, but I definitely, right at the end, you know, like I, that when you realize you're kind of, you have that power inside you to do whatever you want. And I suppose for me, for such a long time, that was suppressed, you know, through the way I was, raised the community I grew up in and the things that I was told I allowed myself to believe that that was all I that that was all I ever had that was all I was ever destined to become and I think in that moment I realized that I am much more than just what everybody else said I was going to be yeah I can kind of in a in a a way I can relate in terms of like in my own personal view I always say like you're wearing a mask so you've got like your mask for public life and then you take that off and that's what's going on inside but what would you say is advice to people going with who who are listening now, just troubling with like anxiety of some side, like how they would best to to channel that, how to best work around it? I realise now, years later, that often I spent a lot of time fighting it. Like I spent a lot, and I have a way of describing. So I think first one of the things that really helped me was actually giving it a name, like actually giving it a label, an image. And so often it was such an obscure yeah. thing that I couldn't. I couldn't really describe it or explain it to anyone. And so I kind of look back at my kind of eight, nine year old me who suffered with anxiety and ask, 
you know, ask, I ask my, my, myself now, so what would you, how would you want to, like, as a kid, how would you have described your anxiety and often giving it a face or giving it a name? Usually that's what helped, that really helped me to come to terms with what I was dealing with because it became tangible by giving it a name and giving it a face. And I, I've kind of since then always called it my monster. And there are months, there are moments where, um, that monster is so big that it's like in my face and it won't let me get out of bed and it won't let me function. And there are moments where that monster is is kind of manageable, where it's kind of behind me and kind of taps me on my shoulder occasionally and just lets me know it's there. But I'm managing, but I'm getting through my day. And there are times when my monster is so teeny tiny, it just sits in my pocket and I can just walk around, get about my day, go about my day. And it, and, and it hasn't affected me in the slightest, but I know it's there. So I suppose mm. I spent a lot of years just like by doing that, that really helped me to really understand it. And it really helped me to explain to my children because one of the things that I found that I, as somebody who suffers with mental health issues was it's a lot of hiding. It's that mask, you kind of, you you yeah. hide it. Uh, and much like being in, you know, being in the public eye, there's this kind of image of you on television, glossy and shiny and colorful. And there's the other image where, you know, you can't get out of bed because you're struggling with your anxiety. So it's that mask. It's like, you constantly have this kind of mask on. And I think what I found was that I was, I was the best liar to my, like I lied to my children all the time. I created this, I wasn't allowed, I didn't allow myself to be vulnerable to my children. Mm. And I think the kids had this image of this woman who could do everything. She was like, she didn't ask for help. She did everything. She just got on with it and everything was always done. Everything was always done. And I was there with a smile on my face, waiting for them to go to bed so I could fall apart. And actually the most um, liberating thing for me was being honest to my children and and so I didn't I don't lie anymore like when I'm having a bad day I say I'm just not having a very good day today I'm struggling today and and they understand now they understand anxiety the way I explain it which is with a monster so like sometimes my son will say like I feel like the monster's really taking over today so or he'll say the monster's happily just sat in my pocket it's absolutely fine so giving it something tangible has really allowed me to kind of do my job because obviously doing such a public facing job means that the the issues that I face are very different to the ones that I faced five years ago as a stay at home yeah. mom. Yeah. So the, the, but it doesn't take, but the way I handle it is exactly the same. So, um, and I, so the problems don't feel bigger anymore. So the problems don't feel bigger or greater or less manageable. They're just the same problems that I had, but different. And so I find that being honest, not only to my children, but just being honest in the public, you know, when I'm talking publicly about my mental health, just there's such a shame attached to mental health. Uh, illness that like by talking about it it takes away the shame and of course growing up in a community where um there is no actual vocabulary for mental health illness it's really hard to explain to people like my parents or certain people within like and i think it's an age thing. i think it's an age thing as well i think it's certain generations yeah certain generations not yeah, necessarily yeah, not necessarily always communities i think certain generations don't necessarily understand mental health so i'm trying to kind of dispel some of the myths and and talk about them within my community as well as with young children and that really helps me so for anyone who is struggling or is suffering i think find somebody to talk to i think that's really important find somebody to talk to who will understand because you almost come to a conclusion and understanding yourself by talking to them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah definitely and you can see that um and you talk about the monster your monster 
you've done a few books for children and young people to to learn about this, which has been really good. And then obviously you've done cookbooks for children and adults, but the adults can use the children ones and the children can do the adult yeah. books, which are really good. Um, I've actually been using yours quite often recently. Yay! <laughs> and try and get these. So I did the cookies. First time I've done yes, cookies. They look good. Which are unreal. Absolutely <laughs> yes. unreal. And then the the best one I'd, I've done which I'm showing off because Oliver always likes to cook and I'll, I'll bake. He always, yeah, he's, show, he's showing off now. He's showing off And uh, so I so I recently did the hot cross buns. Oh, did you? Which, and I love hot cross buns, but I was, I was watching your TV show on the BBC and I was, you know, in Homer Simpson gets really hungry and he's yeah. like, oh. oh. <laughs> I was literally like, when you're doing that, I was like, I need to make those. So I ended up doing those and it was absolutely fantastic. So I was, and I'm, I'm not really a typical baker, but I found it so easy, and thank you for making it so idiot-proof that I could do it as well. Oh, so see, I don't like thank hot, you very see, much. I don't like hot cross buns. I hate hot oh, cross buns. Mate. So I made my version that I like. So I'm so yeah. glad you did them. No, they were so well. Now I can't have normal hot cross buns now. That's it. Now you've got to, now you've got to have jam-filled berry hot cross buns. Exactly, but it was uh, it was very good. So that one's out in the UK. That's right. And then in the US, your time to eat is out. Yes. And is that on? So did you have to convert all the measurements into American? Yes. Like, cut oh, styles and all that lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had to be then like we had to change it around, but it, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult. It was it was good fun though because it's my first cookbook to ever go out in the US, and it's really exciting, but it's really sad because I don't get to travel with it because often when a book comes out in a new country, yeah. I get to do the traveling with it and meet lots of people. And I really, you know, I've not been able to travel with them so, with the book, but it's great because the series was actually out um, uh, on Netflix and I always get yeah. that flurry. It's, and, and social media is a double-edged sword, it's great, but it's it can be difficult sometimes. But in those moments when you get people share like the recipes and tell you that they love the series, or the, I love all of that. It's so exciting because like, there's nothing better than um, being able, apart from actually writing the books and publishing the books and writing the recipes, when people actually make them. So thank you, James, for making them. <laughs> no, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna just harass you now on uh, Instagram. So look what I've done this week. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. No problem. Time to Eat is, um, so it was published last year and it was about being busy. And this is not just about kind of people with children, anyone who's kind of short of time, which most of us are, let's face it. Like we have quite busy lives, kind of it's always go, go, go. And I think one of the things that really suffers is our cooking and eating. And I think if you really think strategically and really kind of use what you've got in your house to save time you can really eat well and eat well and save time and spend time with the people that you love and make time for yourself to do other things it's got lots of little tips and tricks on how to not waste things simple things like say for instance you've got some have you ever been in the fridge and then your herbs are all wilted and weird mm -hmm. and soft yeah. right yeah all yeah. you need to do is literally stick the uh, the wilted herbs on a plate and put it in the microwave for 10 seconds and they dry and dehydrate. And all you do is kind of do this with the herbs, pick them up, and then they become like dry herbs that you would buy in a jar from the oh. supermarket. So little oh. things like that. And I think just allowing people in to my head a little bit and saying, this is like, 
utilize what you've got don't waste and 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 you'll save time and you'll save money like all of those things are really important and i think these days i think we've got we grow up we've we're growing up in a society where it's instant gratification like you literally can get whatever you want whenever you want click of a button and i think we need to kind of step back sometimes and say hey you know like you don't we don't have to live like that we can slow down we can enjoy eating and being mm-hmm. around the people that we love and that's what that book was essentially all about so it was really important to write a book like that because that's how i cook and that's how i eat so when, when you are like making a making the cookbooks nadia how do you do you like have a team what helps you like say hey maybe we need these on this one or maybe on that one or are you literally like right okay, i think i know how to make this one then it's just like creating how long is that process i am a one woman band literally there is no i mean if i wanted to of course i could have somebody testing with me or creating with me but i'm like when i say they're my recipes like i spend months and months and months and and like my kitchen is my kitchen that i work from my kitchen is the kitchen my kids spend most of their time eating doing homework so it's a small space but it's something that you know like between the children and my recipe testing that's literally where i do everything um and i, I do i have to say i do spill out into the garage a little bit occasionally just because there's so much stuff sometimes but um from start to finish i test every single almost 120 recipes over three months so yeah so over three months and it's not bad it's not a bad life i've got to say was this your husband's plan all along i think so yes (laughs) yes yes i think he always just wants to have cake because it is like he has cake for breakfast and and um we are that family like i'll wake up and i'll be like boiling squid or octopus or something like that in in the in and the kid is just normal now like for them i could be just like i'm like guys i'm just making gelatin and so i'm like boiling bones in a pan and they just like to them the smells the sounds are all very normal but the process is quite long so and i am on my own and i could very easily have help if i wanted to but i just choose not to because i feel like the essence of the book really has to come from me that because mm-hmm. ultimately yeah. like when i'm sat here talking about the recipes in the book like the fact that i've written them and tested them in my kitchen means something to me because when you make them and when other people make them like that's really special for me and i I never want to lose that essence i think i think that it definitely comes across though you can actually tell that it's been it's not had like a massive team of people and like they're using you as the face of it it's very much like your your creative output yeah i mean like chicken donuts that's (laughs) that definitely (laughs) that definitely came from a dark and wonderful place in my head that's a good because you like adding things to things which some people would deem shouldn't be there an ongoing thing during this series because i seem to have really upset a lot of italy pineapple on a pizza yes or no no for me i'm oh, sorry i thought you were, oh, i thought i was in there see J- james james you're losing this you're losing this whole argument just just mm, drop it now just drop no, it i'm not i've got to say like well, if if there is ever pineapple on a pizza i'll eat the pineapple and then eat the pizza not at the same time. No, do, are you your pineapple and pizza really? I I had pineapple pizza with tangerines on it the other week. I wasn't going to pick oh. my favourite twin, but I think I just have. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so, what is a normal day to you now then? For me, a normal day for me now is waking up really early, well before the kids, like long before the kids. Not because I need to be there and awake for them to see me, but I need to be um, caffeinated and awake before them mm. otherwise i wake mm. up in a frenzy otherwise i can't do the whole wake up with them so i always kind of i like the mindfulness of waking up before the sun so i my 
goal usually every morning is to wake up before the sun and just kind of watch the light come in. And it's really mindful for me because I get up, I'll get up, wake up, make myself a coffee, come back upstairs and I'll get dressed. And kind of for me, it's about, so I pray every morning and I get up and I'll pray. And, and as the sun comes up, the kids will start to wake up gently. And that for me is like, that's how I always start my day just always ask like I find it really difficult when my day doesn't start that way because it just um I feel slightly um out of sorts if if it doesn't mm-hmm. start that way and then like it's usually wake up sort the kids out and and it's feed all the animals so we have a lot of animals we've got four chickens we have a rabbit uh, we have a cat we have uh, a budgie and we did uh adopt a tortoise so uh, yeah, so we have a lot of animals. So it's usually like my kids wanted to learn responsibility. So I said, we've got to, like, if you want responsibility, then you've got to learn to look after something before yourself. So, yeah, yeah. so we wake up and make sure all the animals are fed and have had their breakfast. And then the kids wake up, they go off to school. As soon as I've dropped my last one off to school, I go for a quick run, come back. Um, and this is, for me, this is my new normal because like before it was all about everybody else but me. So now I do things that make me happy as well as allow me to have a functioning home at the same time, yeah. but as long as I'm yeah. happy. So uh, I go for a run and that always makes, it sets me up for the day, come back, get sorted, get onto some work. And that could involve talking to you guys, doing podcasts, doing interviews. Often it's testing recipes. So apron on, and usually the kids come home to a, a, like a ray of, sweet savory snacks you name it there's like 12 15 things sometimes so i don't ever cook (laughs) dinner and then like i have a wheelbarrow so i put food in a wheelbarrow and i walk around to my neighbors and say is there anything here that you want there could be cake it could be fish it could be anything like it's like is there anything here that you would like and and it's cool because i try and go before they cook their dinner so that they don't have to cook dinner sounds amazing and I really want to be one of your neighbours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be. I'm going to, I've got. I've got to go and talk to my neighbour a bit later. I'm going to ask why. Why? How can you never do much cooking anymore? Exactly. Where's your Where's your wheelbarrow? Exactly. <laughs> I've got these things called the three a.m. questions, where essentially the the answer, the right answer comes at three a.m. Uh, when you can't sleep. But anyway, so quick fire. <laughs> but what is your favourite food? Oh gosh, my favourite food. <laughs> Anything deep fried. <laughs> uh, your favourite book. Oh, uh, The Lovely Bones by Alice Siebold. Nice. Your favourite song? Uh, my favourite song. Oh, um, Counting Crows, Accidentally in Love. Nice. Uh, your favourite <laughs> film? Oh, Gladiator. Gladiator. Or Fight Club. Or Fight Brilliant. Club. I love Fight Brilliant. Club. I actually used to know there was a guy who used to walk his dog near where I walked my dog, and his dog's name was Maximus Decimus Meridius. But he would literally call him... <laughs> The full name. Well, the, full well, name. the full name, yeah. I <laughs> love that. It's almost as good. My rabbit's name's Cornelius. Just, nice. Mm. nice. Nice. And sorry, and your favorite quote? Oh, my favorite quote. Co- I can't well, it's it's one of mine. Sorry, I don't know if we can even no, that's call fine. it. No, that. No, that, that works, that works. I can and I will. I can and I will. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I've really, really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm a bit of a Nadia fan anyway, so that was very, very good fun. But in obviously when we when we found out that she was going to come on, I decided to do a bit more baking than I normally do, in fact, ever. You, I was gonna say you don't you never do baking. You if anything, you say to me, Oh, you're doing more baking today, are you? Yes, exactly. But I, I 
found a way to justify. I think the reason I wasn't baking before was because I didn't want to eat all the naughty stuff um, because I was very conscious on healthy living. But I decided if I'm going to be doing a lot of exercise, I need to put fuel in the fire. Is that how you judge it? That's how I justified it. Yeah. So yesterday I did a 10K and then I so then I made these cookies. Right. Okay. Okay. Very good. First of all, thank you so much again to Nadia for joining us as well. Um, I couldn't get over how much of a hectic schedule she has in the day. I was feeling exhausted just listening to what she does before half two in the in the afternoon. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, sorry. The dog's off. The dog's off again. Dog's um, off again. He'll calm down. I agree. I agree what he I says I agree completely. Well. I think mm. so. But I, what was also great, I thought, was how she's just very easy to talk to, isn't she? You could literally just go and have a cup of coffee with her wherever. Her memoir, autobiography, uh, Finding My Own Voice, is a fantastic listen, a fantastic read, especially going back to the back in the day when mobile phones were becoming more readily available and it was pay-as-you-go. And it was, what, 25 pence to send a text message? Yes, right. So I remember actually with the whole thing, yeah, 25p for a text message. But then if you sent three messages, all the rest of the messages that day are like 5p or something like that. Then also, if you remember rightly, if you use your WAP, so now I'm sounding really old. So WAP was internet on your mobile phone before you had like smartphones and everything like that. Lord help you if you went to look up a recipe on there. Because that would just drain any credit you've got on there originally. Then you've got to go back to the supermarket or the off license or the post office or whatever to buy a tat, right? You used to have to buy a, a almost like a little card. What you scratch do. off. Do you still do have you, to have do you that? Still, I don't know. I don't know. But like you'd have to scratch off this little strip in the middle to give you a PIN number. You'd then call this number on your telephone and then write in. Oh, then then type in the number and it will tell you, yes, you've added 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 quid credit to your phone. It was an, it was a, if you think back, it was an absolute fast because you text a number in or something like that. You text a number for like a competition or I used to have it on like score updates from the football and they charge you like 20 p a message as well. Lord help you if there was a high scoring game. <laughs> this, this shows Oliver, you've lost the plot. You're, you're ranting about something which no longer is a problem or an issue. So you you're need right. to get help. But in that sense, I'm going to round this on to my, did you know? Ready? Okay. Okay. Go on. So did you know the first text message was sent on the 3rd of December in 1992 and it simply said, Merry Christmas. Okay. So I'm just going to go shut my door. I think it's 1999 calling saying, get over it. <laughs> 1999 calling to tell me to get over it. 19, right. Can you remember New Year's Eve? You'd get a flurry of text messages through, normally halfway through the afternoon. Yeah, because, they wouldn't go through, would they? Because they wouldn't go through at the same time. People you haven't heard from all year. Happy New Year. Okay. Anyway, so... My first, did you know? You weren't very impressed with that one, but the first text message—it was good, ever, yeah. Was yep. "Merry Christmas" sent. Who sent? Who sent this message? Was this? Was this in America? The guys from Sony Ericsson, or Ericsson? Neil Neil Papworth, right? Uh, one year later, in 1993, Nokia introduced an SMS feature with the distinctive um, beep. Whenever you got a me text message, you mean beep 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 beep. That's the one. Beep, one, beep, yeah. beep, 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 and and then the the ringtone, the famous knocking. Ring. Anyway, oh god, this is sad. Anyway, moving on. How was on. that? How was that ringtone from the old thirty two ten? My next. Did you know? Did you know, a tarantula can survive for two and a half years without food? Really? 
So if you ever saw a tarantula and it looks hungry, chances are it is. Probably best to run. Another thing about a, a, um, a smaller species, which has an amazing fact: Did you know that a snail can sleep for three years? Isn't their sleep? So how long do they live for? What? You're sleeping for three years. You're winning, aren't you? <laughs> three? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I wouldn't have thought they live much longer than that either. And a hummingbird, you know, a cute little hummingbird mm-hmm. that flaps its wings. Did you know that it can flap its wings? up to 90 times a second. Well, I can I can believe that, actually. Which is 5,400 times a minute. Wow. So next time you see a tarantula, say, are you hungry? Next time you see a snail saying, you're feeling tired? And yep. if you see a hummingbird, say, hello, hummingbird, what are you up to? And he goes, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep, okay. Fantastic. Okay, good. So, well, thank you very much for that today, James, uh, with your lovely did you knows. But more importantly, thank you to Nadia Hussein for joining us today and telling us all about her backstory and also obviously the exciting stuff what she's got for people to check out. Guys, thank you very much for joining us this week on Normal Not Normal, as proven. Normal probably doesn't really exist. And if it did, it definitely is not in the form of Oliver. Thank you very much for joining us this week. I've been James Phelps. He's been annoying also, and I have been Oliver Phelps. Take care, guys. Bye. Normal Not Normal is a stable production.